Hello and welcome everybody to the Great Inflation Deflation Debate Part 7 Vox's Response to Fiat or Shenanigans. Uh, so let's just bring this up here. In his post entitled Fiat or Shenanigans, Nate contested the idea that U.S. money is credit money and not fiat money with the characteristics of credit money. <clears throat> Remember, I said money was fiat with characteristics of credit money, right? Vox says I am wrong about that and will... Uh, considered rushing off to well, I considered rushing off to donate some money to an unrelated charity in his name and make a video about it. Instead, I just decided I would address his well-made point like an adult, mostly. <clears throat> Vox said, Nate's first mistake is the identification of credit money as fiat money, even though he clearly has his suspicions concerning the problematic nature of the distinction as it applies to the U.S. monetary system. Uh, that dis Distinction is false and can be demonstrated in two ways. First, with legitimate appeal to authority and history, and second, to the money creation process. He then provides a quote from Mises that I, I agree does not, uh, does indeed say that fiat money does not exist and probably hasn't existed. <clears throat> Vox appeals to Mises, who appeals to history, and Nate points out, uh, well, shit, this <clears throat> book was written in 1912. It appears we have some more history to investigate before uh, that holds water, doesn't it? Well, let's take a look at this new history then, especially recent history. Uh, say what does our buddy uh, Murray have to say about fiat money? Under a fiat money standard, governments and their central banks may obligate themselves to bail out with increased issue of standard money, any bank or any major bank it in distress. In the late 19th century, the principle became accepted that the central bank must act as a lender of last resort, uh, which will lend money freely to banks threatened with failure. Another recent American uh, device is to abolish the confidence uh, limitation on bank credit uh, is deposit insurance, whereby government guarantees to furnish paper money to redeem the bank's uh, demand liabilities. Uh, these are similar devices. These similar devices remove the market breaks on rampant credit expansion. While the quote from Mises does date back to 1912 text, Mises himself lived till 1973 and witnessed all the innovations mentioned, even with the removal of the <clears throat> convertibility to, go, uh, to gold by President Nixon. I am not aware at any point at which he changed his opinion on the matter, nor does Nate suggest that he did. Given the fact that the FDIC deposit insurance observably does not take the form of paper money being furnished to uh, redeem the failing bank's <clears throat> uh, deemed liabilities, but rather transfers those liabilities to other banks in the system without any paper money at all being furnished to anyone, I think it's safe to conclude that Murray does not have a sufficient grasp on the difference between fiat and credit money for his statements to be relevant here. Moreover, the statements that the central bank is the lender of last resort itself tends to underline the fact that the deposits are, in fact, credit and not pure fiat. A credit bank, or the central bank, is not actually lending money to banks under duress. It is merely inflating the amount of credit at their disposal. Recall that when you make a payment from your e-bank account, the bank declares it will make a payment provide, uh, provided that there is sufficient credit on your account. <clears throat> it is all credit, both in electronic form and paper form. Nate continues, are we done? No, 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 no. <clears throat> We're a long way from done. Remember, Mises characterized fiat money by legal privilege. Legal privilege, you ask? Uh, consult the Mises Wiki. According to Hulesman, there are four major groups of legal privilege granted by the state, usually 
uh, more than one is granted. Legalized counterfeiting, <clears throat> the promise that banks are allowed to uh, be more elastic. For example, a coin marked as one ounce of gold will be allowed to have any amount of gold or none and can be and can have any meaning. Banknotes uh, were named promises to pay but were obscure on the details. <clears throat> Monopoly. Only some monetary products uh, may be produced by law, like a specific metal, or uh, only the banknotes or coins of certain banks. These limits This limits the freedom of choice of use, users of money and benefits the products and first recipients uh, at the determinant of others, detriment of others. Legal tender is money <clears throat> uh, that may be accepted in exchange for uh, exchange under a predefined price. Some monies may be driven out of the market due to Gresham's law. Legalized suspension of payment allows banks to avoid paying their obligations while receiving payment from their debtors. If a bank is free from contractual obligations to redeem its money and it is also a lender, <clears throat> a legal tender, its banknotes become genuine paper money with legal privileges. Uh, are the banks allowed to behave more irresponsibly with increased moral hazard? Here we get to the crux of Nate's error. Nate is correct in pointing out that the Federal Reserve credit money is declared to be legal tender and it's legal privilege by the federal government. In this case, he is correct in saying that the U.S. monetary system is fiat money. However, uh, this is only in the wider sense in which uh, Mises Institute defines the term. <clears throat> Often called paper money, fiat money uh, is in a wider sense any money declared to be legal tender by the government, uh, i.e. law. In the narrower sense, uh, used here, fiat money is an intrinsically useless good uh, used as a means of payment and store uh, and a storable object. The narrower sense of fiat money is clearly the sense Mises was using when uh, the term he called uh, most of these kinds of money that are not commodity money must be classified as credit money and questioned whether fiat had ever existed. And the narrower sense cannot possibly apply to the Federal Reserve notes as most dollars are a not a good unless uh, or otherwise and b not a storable object and c not a risk-free convertible claim to real money <clears throat> nate would be correct to claim credit credit money is fiat money in the wider sense but then i completely agree with that i am simply declaring the u.s uh currency is credit money and that uh, that is not fiat money in the narrower sense. Nate is incorrect to say that it is fiat money in the narrower sense, which is the sense that most people believe it to be. Nate continues. <clears throat> now, are we done? Well, not really. Because what I've done here is intellectually honest, isn't intellectually honest, in the sense that I have not represented the whole of Vox's point. The reason I uh, hated chapter three is not because of confusing terms like fiduciary media it's because credit money itself is a category area credit money is a description of leverage but leverage can be applied to all types of money thus credit money is a subcategory credit money is what happens when you take money from any other type and then leverage it up for lending purposes leverage is something that happens uh, to money types this isn't a money type itself it is uh it's like including cancer cells in the discussion of human cells because they form in the human body. Cancer cells aren't human cells. We must always go back to competition. Money is money because the constant commodity competition every day, the competition is ongoing, and every day one commodity is winning. That 
one commodity that is winning is the money. The money types are explained, are explanations of why the competition is being won. Fiat money is <clears throat> uh, is fiat money because the government helped it win artificially, and it would and it wouldn't have won otherwise. Take away the government advantage, and it's not money anymore. Commodity money types, uh, well, they have no artificial government advantage. This is the true definition of sound money. It's money that wins the competition every minute of every day on the ongoing competition, not some past competitions uh, on its own without aid of government. All modern paper currencies are fiat money. The bits that are loaned into creation from thin air, uh, those are credit money too, but it is dishonest to ignore the fact that fiat, that it is fiat money as well. Loans have created the individual dollar bills, but these dollar bills wouldn't be money if it wasn't fiat. May God have mercy on my soul. Ludwig von Mises was wrong. You cannot disregard the fiat nature of the original money just because most of it was created through leverage. So fiat shenanigans, the answer, answer is both, not one, not the other, both. To fail to grasp that will totally blind you to the inherent problems with the current economic system. The money is fiat uh, money and credit money because much of what was created via leverage, but also much of it was created through counterfeit. This is why I created the word cluster uh, catastrophe, which attempts to uh, parse the U.S. money supply. Nate is stumbling towards the truth here, which is that credit money is fiat money in the wider sense, but not the narrower one, but still stumbling. He is still hung up on the basic concept of credit money, which he erroneously calls it a category error. What he is failing to grasp is the central importance of credit in the monetary process, one which precedes the role of the government plays in either guaranteeing the credit claims or establishing the legal privilege of those claims. <clears throat> when all exchanges have been settled uh, in ready cash, then the possibility of performing them by means of cancellation is limited to the case exemplified by the butcher and the baker, and only then on the assumption on which, of course, only occasionally uh, hold good that the demands of both parties are simultaneous at the moment. <clears throat> At the most, it is possible to imagine that several other persons might join in on a small circle to be built up, which would, within which drafts could be used for the settlement of transactions without the actual use of money. But even in the case of simultaneous, simultaneity would still be necessary and several persons would be involved would still be seldomer achieved. These difficulties could not be overcome until credit uh, set businesses free from the dependence of the simultaneous occurrence of demand and supply. This is in fact where the importance of credit for the monetary system lies, but this could not have its full effect so long as all exchange was still direct exchange so long as even money had not Established itself as a common medium of exchange, the instrumentality of credit permits transactions between two persons <clears throat> to be treated as a simultaneous for the purpose of settlement, even if they actually take place at different times. Important aspect of credit is not its ability to be leveraged, which is a consequence of the characteristic of money, rather than an integral aspect of credit, <clears throat> but rather its ability to transcend time. It is the fact that the credit is a claim on the money rather than 
uh, to some other commodity that permits its expansion beyond existing money supply. <clears throat> a person who has thousands of loaves of bread at his immediate disposal will not dare uh, to issue more than a thousand tickets to each of which gives its holder the right to demand at any time the delivery of a loaf of bread. It is otherwise uh, with money. The fact that it is <clears throat> the fact that is peculiar to money alone is not that mature and secure claims to money uh, are as a highly valued in commerce as the sum of money to which they are referred, but rather that such claims are a complete substitute are complete substitutes for money, and as such are able to fulfill the functions of money in the markets in which their essential characteristics of maturity and security are recognizable or recognized. It is this circumstance that makes it possible to issue more of this sort of supply money to the broader sense of the word. They are consequently able to influence the object exchange value of money. Mises Theory of Credit and Money, page 267. Note that credit aspects <clears throat> only predates the broader fiat aspects, but it is, in fact, intrinsically necessary for the eventual expansion. Uh, Nate concludes with the question, It's not that there is no money. I already explained that there is always money. Money is like energy. It cannot, be, it cannot ever be destroyed. Uh, it can change forms. Its velocity can change, but it cannot be destroyed. The problem is our system is so screwed up through fiat and leverage that we can't even measure the money supply anymore. Come, Vox, be sensible. You're absolutely right to point out that the leverage can't be ignored, but you're wrong to suggest that fiat aspects can. Now, tell us, Vox, what is the best way to measure the abomination posing as the U.S. money supply? He asked knowingly. First, I'll point out that since we have a system in which the actual transfer of money has been completely suppressed by fiduciary by fiduciary media, it does not matter that we can't measure the money supply anymore because we're no longer act using actual money. We are merely using uh, we are merely using possibility of money in order to support the existing extensive system of potential claims to theoretical future money, or as Nate might rightly calls it, a financial ab abomination. As strange as this sounds, it is what anticipated at least a hundred and one years ago by Mises, uh, it was, ah, as strange as this sounds, it was anticipated at least 101 years ago, as Mises notes. Uh, use is made of money, but not physical use of actual existing money or money substitutes. Money in which is not present performs an economic function and has, uh, it has its effect solely by reason of the possibility of being able to be present, uh, in answer to Nate's question, the best way to measure the sum total of all current outstanding claims, this is approximated by the Federal Reserve, Z1 flow of funds accounts, specifically the L1 credit market debt outstanding report. And it is the, exp and it is the expansion of this supply through, not strictly speaking, inflation per se, that the effects exchange value and that affects exchange value and therefore the prices of goods and services. Uh, hopefully you guys found that interesting. The link to the article will be in the description if you guys want to uh, read it for yourself or uh, follow along, though I guess I probably should have thrown that in the front of uh, this, but thank you guys for listening. Goodbye.